Welcome to the Scuffed Podcast. I'm Adam Bells in Minneapolis. With me is Greg Velasquez in Des Moines. We talk about U.S. men's soccer. Hello, everyone, and thanks for downloading another episode of Scuffed. Greg, how are you doing? Bells, I'm great. The Bundesliga is back in full swing, and with it, several Americans in full swing as well. It's morning in America, as Ronnie Reagan once said. Uh, So we're going to go out BuzzFeed and do 10 good things that happened since we last recorded. Not all 10 are unmitigated good things. Some of them are just us noting some facts that have happened, but (laughs) the first eight or so are all really good. And what, in your opinion, is the number one good thing that has happened? bit of an upset victory here for number one on the list because I think a lot of people, especially who listen to Scuffed, might might think we'd go with the uh, the big youth news. Yeah. Uh, but for me, it's still uh, it's still the Tyler Adams show for the U.S. men's national team. And Tyler Adams uh, returned to central midfield for Bundesliga leading Red Bull Leipzig, Champions League favorites Red Bull Leipzig <laughs> with the return of Tyler Adams. Uh Looked looked very Tyler Adams esque, uh, very clean, very tidy, uh, efficient, and uh, just everywhere. Pain just in, everywhere, right? Pain in the butt to play through. He's so hard to play through. Yeah, I think it's a it's a close. You know, Gio Reyna's debut is very close to being the biggest news of the weekend. But I'm going to go with Adams too. Um, he did everything we love about Tyler Adams in his first his first stint back in the midfield for RB Leipzig. Alert, decisive, tenacious, athletic, and entirely ball secure. Even throwing in a couple penetrating passes in the final third. I just I've been I've been saying everyone's been sleeping on his passing. Been saying it for a year. I know you've been saying it. I'm still not. You know, we don't have to argue about that. I like I like his <laughs> I like the way he passes the ball. As soon as as soon as he the, but the you know the big picture thing is. You can just see that as soon as he's back in the lineup for the USA, he changes the way our national team can play. Don't you oh, think? Yeah. yeah, I think if he keeps playing like this, I think he's probably in line for a March call-up. <laughs> probably. Come on. He's definitely in line. Um, we, yeah, we've been saying for a year that he, he makes the U.S. men's national team better, but this is just a fresh, encouraging, stark reminder of how massive of an upgrade he is at the number six. And um, it makes me more excited about 2020 for the national team. I, I'll, I'll quote Jamie Hill from Twitter, who said, I think some other players are going to magically put in some better looking performances when Adams is running defensive midfield, end quote. And I think that's the, you know, that's the big point here, in my opinion. Is, is Jamie Hill subtweeting Will Trapp there? Is he saying that Will Trapp is going to be our our midfielder next to Tyler Adams? I don't think so. I think... My, the way I take it is, you know, maybe McKenny will look better. Maybe, you know, even Sebastian Legette and, uh, you know, if Christian Pulisic ends up playing in the midfield, will look better. Everybody will look better. No, I, I totally agree. Jamie Hill is spot on. Uh, the back line will suddenly look a lot better with that level of protection in front of them. Fewer fires for, say, Aaron Long to be trying to put out right, racing back towards his own goal. Uh, it's, it's really, really fun to think about what uh, Tyler Adams will do for us. And this was this was a big deal because it was his first game back in the mid in the midfield for them, after you know nine months out pretty much. Right, eased him back at right back in the game before the uh, big winter break for the Bundesliga. Uh, during the winter break, sold off their starting central midfielder, uh, which yeah. is kind of crazy for the team leading the league to sell off a starter. Uh, but 
your Red Bull, you, it's just a business to you. So you, you, you got some good business to do. You do it. Uh, and you have Tyler Adams waiting in the wings. So it makes it a little more easier. It makes it a little easier to sort of pull the trigger on them on a move like that. Yep. Yep. And they have a huge February coming up. I think in the span of, uh, of 10 days or so, they, they face Bayern Munich in Munich and then the opening leg of their, uh, Champions League tie with Tottenham and then they face, uh, Schalke. So keep your eye on RB Leipzig. Uh, the Poka, the German Cup also going on. So they're, they're going to have a lot of competitions that they're going to have to figure out what's most important, or they'll just say Tyler Adams is a machine and he can play in all of those games. Let's hope they don't do that. Let's <laughs> give them a little bit of rest here or there. So let's move on to number two, which is a very close number two, and it's Gio Reyna's debut for BVB Dortmund, coming on for Thorgan Hazard in the 72nd minute of a wild game that was 4-3 to Dortmund over Augsburg at the time of his substitution. From a global perspective, Reyna's debut was overshadowed by the Dortmund debut of Erling Holland. Am I saying that right? The Norwegian teenager? Uh, the the guy who scored 11 goals against Honduras. How many goals did he score against Honduras in the U20 World Cup? I don't know, some in, insane number. And and he scored a hat trick off the bench for Dortmund in his debut. He uh, he seems to be the real deal. But um, Reyna Jesse is also... Marsh is a star maker. Let me just interject right there and say this is all Jesse Marsh. Jesse no Marsh... one had, no one had heard of Erling Holland until <laughs> Jesse Marsh got a hold of him. Jesse Marsh sure didn't hurt Erling Holland any, you know. Uh, and Reyna, so Reyna was overshadowed by all that, but he did help create the fifth goal and he generally looked the part, as they say, he looks like, he looks like he's comfortable with the speed of play in the Bundesliga, which is kind of, uh, you know, the key thing. And he had three or four positive moments. It's a, it's a pretty big deal, right? I mean, this is a pretty massive deal. Uh, I think this is earlier than a lot of people expected. Even people who are like, hopefully he'll go on the Pulisic track. I mean, of course we're hoping that. Uh, the Pulisic track being, you know, play for the U19s in the fall when you move to Dortmund and then uh, break in over the winter break and kind of get some games in in the spring. But that still seemed like the very, very optimistic hope. And and to see it sort of playing out is is pretty incredible. Yeah, right. I mean, I haven't I haven't been the biggest Reina fan because I have a bias toward players who pass the ball well and he doesn't seem to do that. And he seemed like a bit of a prima donna with his age group, you know, with the U17s. So, so you're kind of you're kind of just basing basing this on sort of his uh, national team, his youth national team uh, appearances, right? Yeah, lots of remonstrations against his teammates, you know, physical manifestations of his frustration, and you know, I I did that when I played sports as a teenager too. So I, you know, I'm not <laughs> I'm not throwing stones, but um, but I but you know, it's it, he hasn't been my favorite. But I, I say all that as preface to say even I can acknowledge that his talent and and like you said the context here is is really important I mean Dortmund manager Lucien Favre is apparently effusive by his standards about Reyna Lars Pullman who is a German journalist who is not effusive himself was sort of making this point on Saturday Pullman's been on the show before he's really really sharp guy he said you know he said Favre talks about Reyna in a way he he doesn't talk about anybody else how how excited he is about him and um, that, that means a lot I know you don't think it means a lot, but I think it does. Well, Paul Pullman, by the way, not an American. He's a am I correct there? He's yeah. he's a he's a Dortmund fan, so it's not like we're getting the American lenses there. Uh no, I I think that I think that does matter uh, a little in this case. 
Um, but more important is what, what matters more is far, obviously pulling the trigger and putting, <laughs> putting Reina on the field in meaningful games. In, yeah. In a game that was not decided, right? It was, it was four, three at the time with, uh, with 20 minutes to go. And, and you have to be very good to get on the field for Dortmund and, uh, and Reina has already broken that barrier and not, not to mention Dortmund's in a title race. So, I mean, there's just a lot. There's just a lot here to say that this is this matters quite a bit. And if he keeps getting minutes, and he did nothing to, on Saturday to indicate he won't keep getting minutes, he's an automatic U.S. men's national team call-up in March. Done and dusted. Yeah, hands down. And, and Dortmund in a similar position as Leipzig. They've got uh, Champions League coming up against PSG. They've got uh, they they're still in the uh, German Cup, so they'll have those that those minutes to sort of hand out as well. Uh, it's I'm gonna I'm gonna sort of project that that Reina is going to continue being on the field for Dortmund in some capacity. I don't think this is sort of a one-off thing where he goes back on the shelf or sort of just goes back to a training body. Right. And what, what, what about us and our, uh, our first team minutes as the litmus test? <laughs> are we, are we um, going back on our word here? Are we being inconsistent by being so excited about this first team debut? No, I, I'm always excited for the debut because it's, it's exciting for the player. So I'm always excited when, you know, uh, Otisoe gets on the field for Wolves. Like that's awesome for the kid. It doesn't. Ne- it shouldn't necessarily change your opinion or your assessment of a player. Um, what it can do, though, is is sort of show you that you were really wrong about the player before. So, uh, you know, Gio Reyna famously left off of our last top forty list, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which which I think was just sort of like a complete oversight. oversight. Yeah, because he was on the first top forty list, despite not playing at all for Dortmund. Uh, so we, we missed that. And I think like the next weekend he was on Dortmund's bench. Uh, and Like you two know, days put, later. Two days right. later. Yeah. So, you know, what some, when something like that happens, I think what the correct uh, sort of analysis is, is to say, all right, well, I was probably wrong before. I was probably wrong early before, and I underestimated his level before this. It's not like we now say, oh, he's made a huge jump in his ability. No, we just – we were just – we didn't realize how far he already was, I think is what it is. Yeah. Uh, so, again, if you're going to do that, then that should inform future decisions, even on other players, and say, is it possible that we should be giving more looks to players who are on the verge of a breakthrough uh, rather than just waiting for that magic box to get checked? And then he's like, okay, now now we know. Well, I'm satisfied. I feel 100% consistent, and um, <laughs> I'm sure everyone will agree with me. Uh so that's huge positive news. I mean, that's a big, big deal, and um, and now we have potentially a a Dort- another Dortmund winger uh, in the national team, and uh, and Tyler Adams coming up, coming up, coming into the team, clicking on all cylinders at the six. I'm excited. I'm excited just on the just on the strength of those two pieces of information. But wait, there's more. There's more. It's not quite as big of a deal. It's not. It's not even close to as big of a deal. But Richie Ledesma got a brace for young PSV on Friday. Um, then came off the field with an ankle injury, so that eliminated any possibility that he would have been in the PSV first team roster on Sunday, which we don't know if that would have happened anyway. The goals were were outstanding. One was a curler Galazzo from 22 yards out. The other was a basketball style interception and fast break capped by a chip of the keeper at full tilt. So good stuff. The ankle injury's not great, but I don't think it's going to keep him off the field for too long. 
Um, any thoughts there? Uh, so just like we don't think that uh, first team appearances should be your litmus test, also like goals, these kinds of goals and bunches shouldn't necessarily like sway your opinion all that much. Uh, you know, I think you went back and watched his entire game. Uh, and how would you how would you say his actual full performance was? It was okay. It was not his. You know, he's had like I said in the Slack, he's had five or six better games than the one he had on Friday. Uh, those better games, he didn't score a goal or get an assist. But um, you know, in this one, he I thought he was less precise in the middle of the field, and then he you know he managed to get these two goals. Uh, so yeah, you're right. It's it's hard to it's hard to put too much stock in any any one thing. Um, but, so you know, so same as always. We should be you should be excited because it's cool when an American is doing these kinds of things. Uh, little context on Ledesma's game in this case, they were they were down to ten men fairly early on, so he's going to look a little uh, less composed in the center of the field because he's going to have fewer options to play when, when he's on the ball. Uh, but yeah, I mean we, we're high on Ledesma. We're excited for the for the multi goal game. We're still high on Ledesma. That's kind of how it that's kind of how it goes. Yeah. I would say my one caution with Ledesma, and it's, I'm going to sound like I'm talking about Mendez a little bit, but he, I do worry about his defending, like his 1v1 wrestling match, ability to win a wrestling match for the ball. And I know people are going to call me a Philistine for even bringing this up, <laughs> but but it's uh, you know it matters. It matters at at this level of soccer, and um, and I, I I do think you know he could he could use a little more muscle if he's gonna. If he's going to break into that first team, he does need to. He needs to win physical battles, or at least you know hold his own. And uh, and I think that's a little bit of a weakness in his game. Not to the same extent that it is for Alex Mendez, but a little bit of a, of a weakness. And it it may be what's holding him back from being in the PSV first team because a kid, you know, a, another kid from the PS young PSV, actually a kid who's been mostly playing with the PSV U19s, Noni Madueki, a British kid, uh, he. He's 17, and he got his PSV debut on Sunday. And I would say the main difference between him and Ledesma is athleticism and strength. You know, uh, Madueki is uh, is stronger and faster, um, but they're both really good soccer players. So, just a just a, a word on that. The British kid plays on the wing. Is that right? Yeah. Which which Ledesma does when he plays with the first team too. He plays on the left wing. Madueki plays on the right wing. Uh, when, let me press you a little bit on the on the wrestling matches you're talking about here. Uh, do you think Ledesma has a tendency to get bumped off of the ball once he's on it? Or are you just talking about like in scraps when uh, things get loose from from other players and the balls between Ledesma and another guy? Well, he's so good at he's so quick and elegant, and he can unbalance a player. So he gets he doesn't get bumped off the ball much because he's because he's just moving fast and thinking fast, which is what you know I love about him as a player. Um, it's more that when he when he squares up with a guy, he's he's pretty easy to eliminate. You know, he doesn't he's not able to get his shoulder in there and uh, and take the ball away from somebody. The way even like uh, uh, I know I'm doing some deep cuts here, but even like Nasi Unavar, the 17 year old for Ajax, the really highly touted playmaker for them, he 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 does it. You know, he gets in there and he takes the ball from people, and he's a you know he's a what you might consider like a luxury attacker, uh, and he he does it. You know. So that's that's what I'm talking about. Does that make sense? All right. Yeah, yeah. So on the, when he's on the defensive side, squaring a guy, with a guy uh, the attacker has him squared up. Uh, he's not really a threat to dislodge or dispossess. Yeah, I'm not going to say he's no threat, but he's th- there are enough times over the course of this season where he's been 
where you say, oh, man, that was a little too easy for the other guy. All right. All right. I don't I'll have to I'll have to watch that a little closer. I'm I'm going to I'm going to speculate that it might be the uh, the sort of scuffed ma- magnifying glass where when you watch a, one guy super closely, uh, those things really stand out. Whereas anyone else who does it, it's just sort of background white noise. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. And, but, you know, but I, I criticize uh, I criticize because I love as you know. <laughs> But I do want to keep track of that. I want to monitor it around him because I'm usually looking at his uh, on-the-ball actions. Right, right. Well, let's, okay. move, let's move to number four. Indiana Vasilev uh, made his debut for Aston Villa. This was a this would have not have been a prediction anybody would have made at the beginning of the year. No, I don't even think it was a prediction I would have made uh, four weeks ago. Right. He's been helped along by a lot of injuries at Aston, Aston Villa, but the, the coach is saying good things about him, said he's ready to start in the Premier League, which is quite a thing to say. Um, he seems to be well-liked because he works hard, and you know, even if he doesn't get another minute, an 18-year-old American attacker getting a Premier League debut is something we should mention and make note of. Yeah, definitely something to celebrate and then uh, and then just continue to sort of keep keep him on the radar. Uh, track him with the U-20s. I, I'm assuming he'll play a big role for the U-20s uh, this cycle. Yeah, I hope so. Um, he's not a player, you know, it's hard to see footage of, of him over the course of this season. From what I have seen, he's often, you know, he's just battling for, you know, a Hail Mary ball up up top. So it, I haven't gotten a lot of chance to see him in combination with other players or making, you know, making incisive runs in the box because Aston Villa is not, is not in that situation very often so we'll see we'll see but for now he's basically the 18 year old bobby wood that's what he looks like yeah yeah (laughs) i think he's left-footed i think he's left-footed too number five just another ho-hum weekend in the bundesliga it's it's why it's wild that we can just have sort of all this uh, these players sort of in the background. Timmy Chandler uh, starts, goes 90 minutes on the right wing uh, for Frankfurt, scores the match winner, pretty actually involved in the uh, first goal uh, for Frankfurt, where in midfield he dispossesses a guy with a sliding tackle. Uh, Frankfurt goes straight down the field and score on the counter. Um, again, fourth start, uh, scores the goal. Uh, just a quick bit on Chandler, though, if you're expecting a lot of goals from him because of this, don't get your hopes up. Uh, <laughs> So in in those last four starts where he's gone 90 in, in each start, uh, he's now taken two shots, uh, and one of those was the goal with his head. Um, but again, uh, coming out of the break and still being a starter for Frankfurt is a pretty big deal. And if he if he stays a starter, I know he's not really on a lot of people's national team uh, depth charts. I just don't see how you don't start to at least ask questions about whether he'd help, uh, help the squad, help the U.S. men's national team. I know some people on on whose radars he is. <laughs> some people, I'm, I'm trying some to diagram good, the sentence. Some, some of your good, right? That that my seventh grade English teacher would be appalled. But uh, there's some people you interact with on Twitter who are big Chandler fans, and uh, you've interacted. In yeah, they faith. they came after me uh, because I'd always left him off of the uh, weekend previews because he went all of last season without playing, and last season was when we started doing those previews uh, because he was injured. Um, and then this season kicks off, and he he was basically just seeing occasional substitute appearances. A lot of did not uh, unused substitute uh, summaries, so he I wasn't including him. And, and after his third start, people were starting to get on me about it. 
Uh, I still don't know what role he's going to play for the U.S. if he ever will. But, uh, you know, I was worried that after the injury he would he had sort of uh, lost a bit of his ability. But he's now, again, started four straight games. He's 29, I think. Mm. Uh, and he can play on the wing. He can play it right back, uh, potentially a left back. But um, mostly, though, he's, don't think of him as a goal scorer. He's not, he doesn't take a lot of shots. He doesn't score goals. Uh, but he is a diligent, high-pressure type defender. He will really get into people's faces, uh, and he whips in a really good ball with his right foot. I don't love whipping in crosses too much as a tactic, uh, but he has a very good cross, and he's again, he's going to be a uh, rugged defender. That's why they call you the Pep Guardiola of Western <laughs> Um yeah, that that makes sense. I would cut. What, are you gonna just cut your losses and start putting him in the playbill? He was in it. I had him in it last oh, uh, last okay. go round before okay. his goal, so I, it was timely. It was a timely insertion. All right. Well, which done. I suddenly don't like to hear that said out loud. <laughs> um, other three sort of ho hum things in the in the Bundesliga. Josh Sargent started, went ninety. Yeah, I think he went ninety. Uh, in a 1-0 win for Werder Bremen, John Brooks started... Relegation sixer. That was, a, I believe, against Alfredo Morales and Dusseldorf, right? Right. And Morales was on the you know the other side of that team sheet. Um, I, 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 the only comments I have are on Sargent um, because he's, you know, he's so important to the player pool. If, if he... I, I, you gotta watch, I gotta watch every one of his performances because if, if he gets to be as good as we think he can be, that changes the national team a lot. Um, we didn't see that sort of coming out party over the weekend, but I, I and and he had a couple poor touches, which you you can see on Watkey's uh, Watkey's all touches video he put together, or at least the highlight video. The thing I the thing I want to mention is Sergeant. You know, Sergeant is going to have to scrap for opportunities uh, for this Werder Bremen team. It, it appears that way, and um, and that's going to be good for him. You know, where it, where he's going to have to be really smart and incisive when he gets a chance. Uh, because he's not going to get, he's not going to get the ball at his feet five times in the box in a game. It's not going to happen like that. I mean, like I that. I guess like I get that line of, of thought, but I don't. I'm not sure. It's, I'm persuaded by it. It's. I mean, we're we're sounding pretty similar to what we were just talking about with uh, Vasilev and Aston Villa and Bobby Wood when he was in the Bundesliga and Josie Altidore when he was with Sunderland or Josie Altidore when he was with Hull City. And I just don't I don't know if that's the case. Is it is is that better for the forward to just be in that situation, or is it better for Josie Altador when he was at uh, in Holland's banging in thirty goals a year? I don't remember what kind of play you know the the subtleties of the kind of player Altador was back then. But what I do know about Sargent is he if there's a if there's a critique, it's a lack of hunger and um, you know hunger slash anger in his movement it, All right. he just can be a little he can be a little sleepy headed out there and you know if he if he has to if he knows that he has you know this is his chance he has to he has to be decisive and make this move and uh and try to score a goal even if he doesn't necessarily score the goal if he makes the movement um and if he learns to do that with a little more urgency that, that's what i'm thinking Maybe it's better for him. Altador, maybe Altador was uh, was the same kind of player, and it didn't benefit him at all. It's possible. But <laughs> all right, well, that's my I rationale. Mean, again, it's 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 wild that we just have Sergeant Morales Brooks as sort of. I don't I, I don't know if Sergeant's going to be a regular Bundesliga starter, but uh, I think he this there is no real injury crisis, right? It, 
at Bremen. He's he was just selected. Yeah, I mean the injury crisis happened a few months ago when the the guy ahead of him, whose name escapes me at the moment, uh, got an ACL injury. So, so, but I don't think at this point it's it. Sergeant's the guy, unless they bring somebody in. Or no, no, Yu Yu uh, Osako is uh, Osako is also in the in the picture, and he came off the bench in this game. That's, so that's what I mean. Sergeant was picked ahead of him, and part of that might yeah. be because Bremen was in uh, a bit of free fall at the end of. When when Sergeant was hurt, they they lost four straight games. So it might be where there's they're sort of like we just got to try something new. Let's let's see what Josh Sergeant can do for us. And they got the dub. I don't think you can really lay that at Sergeant's feet, but they did win the game. So we'll see we'll see what happens uh, for him this coming weekend. Um, number six, the back half of our ten things that went well. Uh, Alex Mendez went ninety for the second straight game for Young Ajax and scored a goal from the penal- from the penalty marker. His first goal as a young Ajax player, so good, good stuff, good stuff. Did you see? Did you see? I think uh, I think the Croatian posted the uh, the build up to the penalty. Mendez was very involved in the build up to the pen uh, with some nice little touches and really tight spaces. Cool combination play. Then picked the through ball to the guy who uh, got sort of uh, clipped from behind to, I did to earn not, the penalty. I did not see the footage. I did read that that was how the the penalty emerged. So, uh, check it out. You'll you'll like it. It's very reminiscent of his play for the U20 Concacaf. Uh, like his all his highlights from the U20 Concacaf uh, tournament. Uh, that's what it reminded me of straight away. And to be doing that for for Young Ajax is a big deal because he hasn't. I don't think he has had a lot of those moments. Yeah, he's had he's had some, but not not as penetrating as that. Drawing a penalty. So you know, Alex Mendez is still is still grinding, and he's got a he's got a lot of competition for minutes, but. Keep your eye on him. Talented player. Uh, and that win sent Young Ajax to the top of the table in the second division in Holland. So the Ajax reserves now good enough to essentially be an air, a top division team. Crazy. If, if they can hold this on until the end of the season. Kind of the mirror opposite of Young PSV. They're like, they're, I think they're second bottom on the table. Right. And, and just a, another context, Young Ajax cannot be promoted by the rules of the league. And... Uh, this year, young PSV, I believe, will not be relegated because they aren't relegating anybody this year. Hmm. Yeah, uh, Soccer United marketing must have gotten a hold of Dutch soccer. <laughs> Number seven, uh, some some youngsters in the lower divisions in England. Lyndon Gooch had a banger uh, with his left foot from about 25 yards, and Charlie Kelman scored a nice goal. I'm actually more interested in Charlie Kelman at South End United because he is U20 eligible, and we do need some striker help uh, heading into Concacaf uh, World Cup qualifying, which is in June. Um, apparently, he was he was called up in January, but was denied. His club denied his release. So I think Kelman's interesting and and worth uh, paying attention to. Kelman coming back from an injury too, right? Yes, I think so. I think he played a couple weeks ago. Okay. So that was cool. Lyndon Gooch's goal was the winner for Sunderland, put them back into the promotional playoffs uh, slot. So I think they're now sixth in League One. All right. I mean, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> I don't know what what do we what's what's the what's the way forward for Lyndon Gooch. It I don't know, man. Like again, it's it's he feels like he's in the same plane as a lot of sort of the. Uh, mid 20s MLS guys that already have roles with the national team like your like your uh, Roldans 
um, who we at least think at Scuffed think are going to get pretty comfortably easily passed by the upcoming generation. Uh, and so when you see Gio Reyna starting for Dortmund, then, then Gucci's Gucci's chances get even even slimmer. I I don't see I don't see what the what the path forward is for Gucci in the national team. And um, but you know, good to see him score a really really nice goal like that. I guess a big victory for him personally would be to get picked up by a championship team because it, it doesn't look like Sunderland's going to make the make the jump. They will now on the strength of Lyndon Gooch's goal scoring. So that's that'd be that'd be the ideal since he's been with Sunderland since he was like ten, uh, for him to lead them back to championship glory and then the very next year get promoted again and do a do a reverse Sunderland. All right, Huawei the lads. Um, number eight, Cameron Harper. This is a this name is a bit of a mystery to me, but he's apparently impressing with the U twenties, uh, Celtic reserves player. So the U-20s had a camp con- essentially concurrent with January camp in the same place, Bradenton, Florida. Uh, Harper, I have not seen a, I have not seen one minute of footage of him playing, but apparently he played so well uh, in one of the friendlies with Mexico's U-20s that with Greg Berhalter in attendance that Berhalter brought him to the first team the next day, and he's a winger. So number eight is Cameron Harper. Remember the name? I'm sorry we don't have more insight unless you do, Greg. No, I don't. I'm actually I actually just think this is a very good sign of of the US sort of operations because this is what should happen. Now, it's a really it's a tiny sample size if Berhalter's impressed with him from one game uh, in a U20 friendly. I'm not terribly excited about Cameron Harper individually. Uh, right. but I think that's how that's how it should work. Like you see something that you really like, you sort of give him another chance to repeat it or give him a chance to play at a higher level and see what happens. Most likely like you know, maybe he caught Cameron Harper on a really good day uh, against Mexico, and you know he, he's probably not going to be able to just jump right into the senior team and do it. Uh, but this is this is just how I think we should function: is to not have like it should be a very permeable uh, program. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. I love that. I love the synergies. Give me more synergies. <laughs> um, number nine. And number nine. We're we're delving into the transfer rumor mill. Yeah, the European press uh, says that, or to be more specific, an Italian, some Italian publication says Anthony Robinson is about to be bought by AC Milan. I don't know, man. <laughs> what a what a mind blowing development that would be. It doesn't make no sense. <laughs> uh, I we like Anthony Robinson. We I think he's I think he could contribute already to the U.S. national team. Uh, in very specific ways, but uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's a sign that uh, Milan are really like really reaching, or or if if we're, we've all actually criminally underrated Anthony Robinson. I'm gonna say if it's true, it's the la- it's the former. Um, they're overreaching, <laughs> but you know, I mean, he's a good he's a good player. But I mean, I I think of Italian, you know, historic Italian clubs, defenders for historic Italian clubs being like really good at defense, and. Uh, <laughs> This this uh, this is not a good fit on that front. Anyway, I I mean I hope I hope it's true. I hope he goes to Milan. I hope that would be really awesome. Um, but I right I am Wigan afraid. Wigan about to be about to be relegated. So he's about to be uh, under contract with the League One team. So yeah. he's going to be looking for a lifeline somewhere. A lifeline to AC Milan, not the worst thing. 
It doesn't make any sense, man. Um, and if he goes, he's going on, like I said on Twitter, he's going on loan to Livorno before you can say Catanaccio. Number 10. Um, this one, uh, this wasn't isn't actually good news, but it was interesting to see Greg Berhalter talk about Ulianes, uh in a in a little hastily called press conference with essentially Ives Galarsip. Berhalter knows that Ulianes is a dual national. <laughs> Galarsip said... Um, <laughs> He's also a dual national, and Berhalter goes, is he? You know, very sarcastically. And um, so that's good that he knows that he's a dual national. He, you know, he said the right things about it's. we want to create the right environment for these players, an environment that they want to play in, and it's up to the dual national to go with their heart. He also mentioned that uh, Giannis needs to – he didn't say it in so many words, but essentially the, his point was, I think you probably agree with me, uh, Giannis needs to work to be a two-way player. He yeah. needs to get better at uh, at being tenacious, uh, defending, and um, getting after it on that side of the ball. Yeah, Giannis, Giannis, by the way, has returned to Wolfsburg. I don't remember if that was if, if that had happened before our last recording, but Giannis is back in Germany, no longer with the team, so we're not going to see him capped right. uh, in this uh, February friendly. But you know, high upside, high upside winger, um, worth worth mentioning uh any developments for him with uh with greg berhalter berhalter didn't seem like he was you know over the moon about Giannis, but um he did he did talk about him a little bit and and just just on that two-way player bit uh it's not like i disagree i don't know i don't know how Giannis will defend against grown men we haven't seen that ever uh but i do still want to kind of hit that uh when we're talking about what we need to do to qualify for the world cup uh, I don't think there's anyone who would say the reason we didn't qualify in 2018 is because we didn't get enough defense from our wingers. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like we have to at some point recognize that uh, to beat some of our CONCACAF op- opposition, it, at times it's going to be less about making sure we have well-rounded players in there and more about being like, who can actually break down stubborn defensive teams that have committed to making – making it difficult to attack. And that's where I'm not saying Giannis can step in and do that right away, but that kind of player, the kind of player Giannis is, if he's able to add a spark where he can just beat people or he can create things, uh, I would heavily weight that over uh, his his ability to track back and defend. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So Greg Berhalter is wrong about that, in other words. <laughs> no, I, sh- I just want to make sure that we're, we're kind of addressing the weight of, uh, you know, the the – player a, traits it's a really good point it's a really good point and it is i agree with it completely and i think it's a good uh it's a good ending point for us all right anything else no let's wrap up and let's catch the premier league games on today uh by the way programming note we're gonna have uh abel Mezaros. i'm not sure i'm pronouncing that right but uh, a german journalist on the show next week while greg is gallivanting around uh <laughs> the united states of america um, to talk about uh, the players in the Bundesliga in some more detail and with a uh, German perspective. And um, I guess we're not going to read off all the mistakes I made in the last podcast. <laughs> the, the big one, the big one, I'll tell you, which I got a lot of messages about, was uh, was the pronunciation of C A E N, uh, Nico Gocchini's club. It's it's Khan. Khan, right? Yeah. I think I think I was trying to get there, and then you immediately were like, "No, it's cayenne, like the pepper." Yeah, I was wrong. I was wrong. I apologize. I'll apologize. <laughs> On a written apology. I have, my sins are piling up. They are, they are heavy on my shoulders. Hey, listeners, I'm gallivanting off to Austin next week, Austin, Texas. So 
uh, tell me where I should go in Austin, Texas. I want to eat things that are good to eat, and I want to go places that are fun to drink. You're also going to have two little kids with you, right? No, 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 oh. no, no. This is grown-ups, grown-ups only. Oh, my goodness. Lucky I know. you. Are you Are you also going to Nashville? Nashville a month later. Okay. So around that time, I'll be asking for more Nashville directions. You are a big civil, you're a big civil war buff, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Savannah after that. <laughs> the march to the sea. The march to the sea. Okay. Thanks everybody for listening. We'll see ya.